Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we're talking to two of the most influential people in Brian Malonis' life. His old boss, inside and outside the ring, Jamie Jamikowski, and his wrestling trainer, Mike Hollow. The only thing missing? The Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Where is he? I, you, you promised us a forum to confront the Kingpin finally, and he no-showed. Yeah, we'll talk about this in a second. Plus, your promo about nothing will be here before we're said and done, and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 124, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and not joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. He is a Ring of Honor wrestler, though. He is the Kingpin Brian Malonis, and yes, he is absent. He is not accounted for here this evening, and instead, in the co-host chair, the man behind two wrestling podcasts on the NAI Pop Network. He is... My former boss in Chaotic Wrestling, my former boss at a different company, Undercover Wear, his name is Jamie Jamikowski. Hi, Michael. I'm so happy to be back. It is great to have you here as part of the wrestling podcast about nothing once again. Yeah, I was on once, once before, once or twice before, once before. I might be three times at, at this really? point. Really? I think you're on a regular interview. You're on yep. after you left the Chaotic, and then That's you right. came on uh, when we're That's here. That's right. We came here to the For the Pops wow. studios. To talk to so you. I'm a four time, four time. This is great. This is exciting. And yeah. you've been on for the pops. You're going to be on uh, Let the Chaos Begin. So now I'm happy. I, I miss Brian, though. Where's yes. Brian? Uh, he is far too busy for you and me, apparently. I get it. I get it. So he says it's a big weekend uh, in professional wrestling, independent wrestling, I should say. Uh, we're recording right on the eve of the big all in weekend with Star What's this now? What's, the, what's, what's this now? We talked about this last time you were on the all with in? us. I probably should have researched it, huh? Yeah, you talked about the business of the business. And uh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited for all in. Unfortunately, I'm traveling this weekend. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I won't well, be able you to. Well, you can get it right on your tablet. You can get it right on your phone. Fight TV. F- the Fight TV app. I, I, I knew it well. Yes, you yeah, used to be on the Fight TV app. So, all right. So that's good to know. Check it out. Get all in. Well, it's funny. Like I said, I have to travel for a client this weekend. I'm, I'm doing, going to a conference, and they've told me that uh, Saturday night was scheduled for a karaoke night. Oh. So um, I'm a little bit worried. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to put into my musical repertoire. Hmm. Uh, it's got to be uh, Moulin Rouge. What's the song there? Uh, uh, Lady Marmalade. Yeah, I was one. thinking about that. That's a good one. All right, Mike. <laughs> that, that's good. All right. I think I finally picked one. But no, I'm, I'm bummed uh, Brian's not here, but I'm happy to sit in the co-host chair. You know, now with, with multiple appearances filling in here and there. You know, I feel like I'm starting to turn into like the the Joan Rivers of the WPAN. You know, if- well that that's Brian Fury. You're probably the Gary Shandling. Let's put it that way. All right, I'll take it. I'll, I can leapfrog Fury. I, I can take <laughs> care of that. No problem. We'll, we'll 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 leapfrog him so I can be the the second permanent co-host. Yes, thank you very much for being here. Uh, Brian is not 
a part of All In. He is all out, but he is a part of the King of Trios for Chikara, their biggest weekend of the year. So good luck to the Kingpin. By the time this is uh, airing, though, you'll know the big results. You'll know that he is the King of Trios grand champion, six-man tag team uh, of the world guy. Is that the official name and title? I think so. Got it. And everyone in wrestling is talking about All In on their podcast this week. But not us, we are Jamie. Not. No. We are not. We are going to be simulcasting this podcast. Yes. This is a podcast first. I don't know if it is, but let's just say that it is. I think it is. We are simulcasting with Let the Chaos Begin, which is, uh, as I have mentioned in the past, one of my favorite new podcasts. Let the Chaos Begin, behind the scenes of Chaotic Wrestling from the owner for 18 plus years. Yeah, Rich Palladino and I, Rich was our ring announcer virtually from day one, and I was obviously involved in Chaotic Wrestling for most of its history up until this January. So uh, a lot of people kept saying to us, you know, I'd I'd be sitting at dinners or or we'd all go out and I'd talk story about Chaotic Wrestling. And, And it was actually Mark Sherman, the sure thing, who said to me, why don't you do it on a podcast? So I reached out to Rich and we started, uh, yeah, let the chaos begin. And as you said, you can find us on iTunes. Just look for For the Pops. We fly under the For the Pops banner because that's my other podcast with Scotty Slade. Or just go to ForThePops.com or find us on Facebook, For the Pops Podcast. And you can find Let the Chaos Begin. It's been a lot of fun, though, telling all the old chaotic stories. And, you know, we're trying to, the thing Rich and I are trying to do now, Crockett, I appreciate that you're a fan. We've been telling so many stories about like, old times, like how we started this and that, that one thing Rich and I are going to start doing this fall is uh, is start bringing on some some guests. Because often what we're finding is that I'm getting accused, Michael, if you can believe this, <laughs> I'm getting accused that my recollection of events are inaccurate. Mm. Well, mm. don't don't jump in and disagree with that or anything, Mike. <laughs> just, wow. Wow. That, if you've ever vague support, wow. Mm, I, 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 can, I can see that. I can see that. And you're starting today, right? You're starting here uh, when we simulcast with our guest today, Mike Hollow. I don't know. Based on your reaction, I might walk out now. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little offended. I'm, I'm, I'm texting my agent as we speak. You know, I'm firing my agent for getting me this booking. But yeah, Mike will be here and we're going to kind of touch on the old days of the CTC and more importantly, Walter Kowalski, you know, uh, uh, Coach Hollow and I, we actually split off. He split off from Killer Kowalski to start the CTC. We talked about that on the last episode of Let the Chaos Begin, but we're going to cover a lot of that tonight with our memories of of Killer Kowalski and kind of how we got started. And, you know, that's a lot of what Rich and I want to do is bring in guests who have a different perspective or at least a different memory of events that took place. Right. And Let the Chaos Begin, I mean, if you're a New England wrestling fan, it's a must listen. Even if you're not, even if you're someone outside of that scope, if you're, you know, on the West Coast or overseas, it's like it's behind the scenes of an independent wrestling organization. It's, it gives you a perspective that you don't often hear. So it's really something you should go out of your way to listen to if you're in New England or, if, you know, even if you're not. Well, thank you, Michael. This is like a re- you, you made up for it. I'm going to stay now. Thank you. Just that ring endorsement. I'm going to stay. So I can be here for your guest on on the WPAN, which also, I'm not just saying this because I have to, it's also one of my favorite podcasts. You know, you and Brian, we've all been friends for over a decade, close to two decades now, which is frightening. Um, but but it's always fun to hear my, my friends talk on the podcast and you guys remember things and tell stories that I, I was there for. I, granted, in your early days, I got a little bit upset with you. Yes. Uh, because that, that was during the malonis Jamikowski Wars. <laughs> but but those have settled down. Of 2016. Of 2016. Yes. But we've uh, we've all made our peace. But no, I, I'm, I'm really excited to be back. This is a lot of fun. I'm really excited 
for the guests that you brought in today, too. This should be a lot of fun. And, of course, last week on the podcast, we talked about Killer Kowalski. And you, on your podcast, Let the Chaos Begin, we're talking about when you started the Chaotic Training Center, which is where, actually, Brian Malonis got his start in professional wrestling. And Mike Hollow, who's going to be our guest here today, was the head trainer of the Chaotic Training Center. He came over from Killer Kowalski's Institute of Professional Wrestling. So you have a unique, a special history with Killer Kowalski, who we talked about last week here. Yeah, I mean, I when we first made a deal with Killer Kowalski, as the story goes, I became great friends with Walter Kowalski by the time he passed away, both he and his wife, Teresa. That being said, I told the story and let the chaos begin. When I first met them, my God, Walter was just, just a, a, a mean horrible person to me. Uh, yelled at me, <laughs> threw me out of his school once. Um, would he, he used to have like those big, I remember those big sunglasses like old people wear or blind, you know, yeah. to protect. Like he'd wear those and he'd completely kayfabe you, not acknowledge you. And then his wife, Teresa, she spent the first two years I knew her just scowling at me. Like didn't matter what we did, scowling at me. And she was so rude to us. And I remember Walter. Oh, here's here's a WPN exclusive. Oh, it's a story we didn't even tell and let the chaos begin, but I'll tell it here instead. There you go. Did you know that shortly after everything started to go to hell with Walter, when he pulled out of the deal and he yelled at me and he threw me out, we hadn't fully split off yet to the CTC, I don't think. But we ran a show with Bret Hart in Lynn. We ran in the Lynn Armory. And I will never forget my partner, Randy Miller didn't invite Walter Kowalski and tried to ban Walter Kowalski from the building. <laughs> now, keep in mind, this is an indie wrestling show. How the hell do you ban somebody from a building? Posted his picture at the door. Right, do but, not let this man in. But now, <laughs> cooler heads prevail. We actually invited Walter and they set up a, a merchandise table. As you know, he and Therese would always set up a, a merch table and an autograph stand. That night, Bret Hart's flight got delayed. So we ended up flipping everything around. We did the meet and greet after and it was like 107 degrees in the building and I, I guess Walter didn't do well in March. So by the time I got there, if you think they used to scowl at me before, <laughs> I walk in with Bret Hart three hours late. Walter and Teresa are furious with me. Basically letting into us that they wanted a payday and this and that. Well, now I guess Bret obviously knew Walter and they're, they're backstage and they're handshaking, hugging, you know, how stew, this and that. Randy Miller was furious till the day he left about the fact that Walter Kowalski got in the building that we let him sell autographs, and three, that Bret Hart greeted him and knew who he was. So <laughs> so that was that was Walter and Teresa. But, you know, as you mentioned, we're recording on the 10th anniversary of Walter's passing. I'm happy to say that by the end, Walter and I became very good friends. And uh, and his, his wife, Teresa, ended up being a sweetheart, even though she was a complete uh, bitch to me <laughs> for the first two years that I knew her. Just, boy, what a mean old lady she was. Wow. But she could be the sweetest lady in the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember going God, to the CT. <laughs> I remember going to CTC, and she would always have these little uh, gold angel pins. Yes, that she would give the the students, just uh, like a little token, mm -hmm. just something. Uh, I mean, I think I had a couple of them. Oh, actually, I have, I have a bunch. Honest. Do you have any magnets? <laughs> I do not. Oh yeah, I remember they also Walter and Teresa also used to hand out those little round, powerful magnets. Right. It, he used them to heal injuries. He right. gave them to wrestlers. Yeah, to like put, you put them on like a bandage or something, then wrap the bandage around whatever body part ache. Yeah. It, but the problem was, if you look at them, and I still have one, there's an X on one side of it. Like they'd scratch out one side of it. He would mark it because one side would go against your injury and the other part wouldn't. Right. Problem is, I don't remember which is which. <laughs> so I don't know if when I put these things on, like, am I making it better 
or am I actually making it making it worse? I mean, some of the wrestlers would swear by it that it worked. The power of magnets. He, that was one of his. Yeah, that was one of his big but things. Walter was also a, a vegetarian, but also he was like, in, I got a phrase that's correct in a wrestling podcast. He was also into juicing. Right. Long before other people. <laughs> and I mean juicing in putting vegetables into a blender, extracting right. the juice, and drinking it. Because remember, he was used to carry around those gallons of, like, the carrot juice, yep. right? We talked about it last week, yeah. Oh, boy. I remember that. <laughs> the carrot juice. <laughs> One more Kowalski story. Again, sure. this is your podcast. I remember what you planned. But I remember once, I want to say it was, was it Arch who got injured? I think it was Arch Kincaid who got injured. And next thing you know, the next time at the CTC, Walter brings in, like, it wasn't a tube. It was like a, a little container, like a Tupperware container of cream. And Walter goes, put this on. This will fix it. And Arch is like, well, what is it? He goes, it's good for you. It will, it will fix the muscles. And Arch is like, all right. So he, and he's, I remember Arch, it was horrible smelling. And he kind of puts it in. Like, he's like, you know, Walter, wh where'd you get this? What's it from? That's the shit they put on horses when horses get hurt. <laughs> Walter had a like a, a tub of like horse muscle injury cream <laughs> that he was given to people to rub on their injuries. Because why not? Why, why not? <laughs> that and some carrot juice. You're ready to run in the fifth at at Pimlico. <laughs> did it work? Of course. Of course I'm, sh I'm sure it did. It probably did. That in the magnet. You're good to go. <laughs> But no, this should be fun tonight. I'm excited to catch up with you and catch up with Coach Hollow about, about Kowalski and CTC. This is going to be a lot of fun. Well, the best way to catch up with Brian Malonis, since he's not here, is to go to his website, brianmalonis.com. You're aware of this website? I, I am, because I listen to the to the wrestling podcast about nothing. Okay, well, on that website, you can get t-shirts and, uh, you know, donate to the cause, if you will. So you want me to buy a t-shirt? Yes, for a guy that I've known from 20 years. <laughs> maybe I'll give you a freebie. I don't know. You'd think after, after co-hosting with you guys three, four, five times, I don't know, maybe I'd get a little freebie. Maybe I'd maybe I'd get a little uh, a t shirt It's, it's possible. What, what are the Michael Crockett t-shirts coming out? Uh, uh, now, one of those I would pay for. The demand uh, doesn't seem to be there right now. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I think if you would release a Michael Crockett t-shirt, I think it would sell like hotcakes. Just my face? I would, no, let's not get carried away. Okay. You, you, do, you, do you have a catchphrase or anything? Uh... I mean, the extended hiatus thing is kind of, uh, I guess, closest thing to a catchphrase that I have. I would maybe if you got a T-shirt that said "I'm on an extended hiatus," I might wear wear one of that. As long you, as it has a small logo on the front and a big logo <laughs> on the back, because I hate big logos on T-shirts. You know that about me. Oh, but but you should do a Mike Crockett T-shirt. Why does Why does Brian Malone get all the glory here? He takes all the glory. Is what happens. Uh, I, I'm I'm just noticing he's the big superstar. You do all the work here, and, and he gets all the credit. I, I think you need a new agent. Okay, forget BrianMalonis.com then. Do not go to that website. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put you in touch with my agent. Her name is Dee Dee Sherman. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, Dee Dee Sherman represents me and a number of former superstars in the wrestling industry. Yeah. She's negotiated a better deal for you. Okay, we'll work on that. Well, you can go to the WPAN.com, the WPAN.com. That is the podcast website, Jamie. And you can uh, find out how to subscribe to the podcast there. Listen to the episodes right there on the website. You can get the bio of myself and of the other guy on the podcast and photos from our illustrious careers as well. I'm gonna have to check that out. I haven't I haven't visited there in a while. Okay. Um. But but like I said, I, I am a loyal listener. What I love about your podcast is I listen to these other wrestling podcasts, and they're like two, three, four hours long. <laughs> no, like your podcast is perfect for like a drive or a workout. And, and my favorite part is, you know, I, I know a lot of the people you talk about, but unlike us, unlike Rich and I, you don't just talk about one thing. You don't just talk about chaotic wrestling and, and beat it to death like we do. You know, you guys, you guys talk about everything. You talk about New England Independent, you talk about the state of the business, you bring in awesome guests. So again, I don't know why I'm telling people to listen to you, 
when they're already here listening to you. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> yeah, you the put worst. me over on your podcast uh, like this. Yeah, I know, really. You're much better at this. I'm a terrible promoter. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, never uh, thought of that that way. Oh. <laughs> it's good you're saying that here and not on Let's Chaos Forget. Sure. All right. Uh, so com. that is the website you want to check out. And of course, the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group. Go to Facebook, put in the search bar, Putting Over Podcasts, and join there and talk about wrestling podcasts. And Jamie, I think it's time for the simulcast to begin. Let's do it. I'm excited. All right, Jamie, we're simulcasting. We are. The WPAN Let the Chaos Begin podcast. We're all coming together for one reason, one reason only. We have a special guest here today. You talked about last week on Let the Chaos Begin about the start of the CTC and breaking away from Killer Kowalski's Institute of Professional Wrestling. And we have the guy who made the switch. He turned heel. <laughs> he went over to the Chaotic Training That's Center. Right. Join Chaotic and you immediately turn heel in the industry. I think so. I think so. So he is joining us here. He was the uh, first head trainer of the Chaotic Training Center. And he was the head trainer uh, for a long time with uh, Killer Kowalski's Institute of Professional Wrestling. He is Coach Mike Hollow. Hello. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being here. It's good to have you here. So uh, I, I can't believe this is the first time either of our podcasts have gotten Mike Hollow to come on. Yeah, I know. And, and you know what the key is? What's that? No Malonis. I think so. Malonis, <laughs> Malonis isn't here, and, <laughs> yeah. and Mike will show up. I was actually looking forward to seeing Malonis. I haven't seen him in a long time, so I was actually surprised when he reached out to me. Yeah, I mean, and we have his old boss in in and out of the ring here, and we have his, his trainer, and he decides not to show up. That's right. He's a coward. That's why, because Brian <laughs> Malonis is afraid of us. That's what it is. He likes to say that he has plenty of uh, other stuff to do. He's... Jet setting. He's a pro wrestler hitting the highways and byways, but I think, he, yeah, he's just got so his tail between his legs. With what you're saying, is all the training that he got from CTC and Killer Kowalski's has allowed him to prosper in his career? I think so. <laughs> I see? think so. Yeah. It's, it's very so well once done. again, it's all thanks to us. Yes, it, it is. It's all about me and Mike. So we were talking about last week on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Killer Kowalski, of course, as we're recording this, it's. Uh, 10 years to the day that he passed away. And as I mentioned, you were his head trainer yeah. uh, for a long time in Malden, Massachusetts. How did you come to go to Kilikowski School? I mean, you started there as a student, right? Yeah. Yeah. Started there in 1992. You know, it was kind of interesting. I had spent two years working for WWF at the time, you know, traveling around the country, ring crew, production crew, and met friends there. And, um, it was actually Mr. Fuji and said, hey, you know, you should go learn how to work. I grew up in Saugus. Walter had a school in Malden. And one thing led to another and ended up finding out with where Walter's school was and ended up enrolling in, like I said, in 1992. And the rest was history. So how did you come to be a part of Ring Crew and Production for WWF? I was uh, at a WCW show and there was a friend of mine who I'm still friends with today is by the name of Freddie Shuley and he was actually there spying for the office. <laughs> he was a referee Freddie Sparta, Yeah, right? referee Freddie Sparta. Not Michael Sparta, Freddie Sparta. <laughs> and, um, you have to make that distinction. So, you know, I'm just a um, weird story sitting watching the show and he was sitting next to me, you know, didn't know each other from a hole in the wall, and I ended up spilling pizza on my shirt. And he said, hey, kid, you spilled pizza on your shirt. <laughs> One thing led to another and found out he was a referee, became friends with him, and um, off we went. So that's <laughs> so you're at a WCW show just hanging out and watching? Yeah, yep, fate. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things as a kid, you know, I remember – I don't know, five or six years old, just sitting home watching. And I said, geez, I want to do that. And uh, something that just stuck with me all the way through high school and college. And 
like I said, found Walters, became a student. And probably the advantage was is that I, you know, got really was able to see a lot behind the scenes and learned a lot about the business from the two years that I spent traveling around the country and seeing a lot of different things, um, exposed to a lot of different things, you know, inside the ring, outside the ring, and um, took that, went to Walters, and um, just started like everybody else, like a student, and things escalated from there. And Mike, who were some of the guys who kind of came in with you at Walters? Like, who was like part of your your class or your group when you first started training? Uh Perry Satin was there. John Cronus was there. Um, Hunter ended up coming when I was there. Um, Ron Reese. I mean, the school was packed. I mean, there was a lot of. Um, I mean, there was a lot of. There was a lot of guys there. Because for the longest time, Kowalski School was known as the training school. Yeah. Like in in the country, he was Walter was really known as the pro wrestling trainer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the office was sending uh, Tom McGee. Uh, they sent uh, John Studd had a student, Ron Reese. Uh, he was sent there as well. Who ended up becoming the Yeti? Yes, exactly. in WCW. Yes, <laughs> infamous professional wrestler. Yeah. So I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of you know good students there. Before we get to the train, I just want to go back to WWF for one second. I have to bring this up. I'm sorry, Mike. Superstar Billy Graham. Ooh, you remember the story. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, there was a match on TV. Greg Valentine was working with uh, Ricky Ataki. It was a you know a squash match, an enhancement match on WWF TV. And something happened at the end there where Superstar Billy Graham, he was managing Don Morocco at the time, and Morocco and Valentine were feuding. Superstar Billy Graham ended up in the figure four of Greg the Hammer Valentine. After that, Graham had to be taken out in a stretcher, and there were two gentlemen uh, holding that stretcher. It was an old school, like, military stretcher. It wasn't on wheels or anything. And there were two gentlemen, uh, and one of those gentlemen was young Mike Hollow, correct? And Paul Dawson. Paul Dawson. Paul Dawson. So there it was. They tell us with what they're looking to do. They send us out, and next thing you know, we're, we're trying to put superstar Billy Graham on a stretcher. He's 285 pounds. Right. Loaded with baby oil. Next thing <laughs> you know, we get him on the stretcher. We're halfway down the ramp. And next thing you know, we're dropping superstar Billy Graham right there, <laughs> halfway down the aisleway. You know, Ventura is seeing this, and, you know, we're getting lit up for the things that we did. So finally, we pick him back up, get him back just behind the curtain, and we drop him again. <laughs> Talk about causing heat. We had heat on ourselves for that situation. That's so, for sure. This, so there was no – that was not planned at all. There no, was not planned to drop nope, him. No, nope, Because you, you were, like, going, like, double fast. Yeah. You were the, the one walking backwards. Yep. And, like – was it you that kind of tripped up? Or? Probably. Okay. <laughs> I'll take ownership for that. Okay. Yeah. But I remember this because this is I like, do too. This is right after I started watching in 88, and I just burned into my memory. And to know all these years later that it was Sacramento, Coach Mike Hall. Yeah. <laughs> it's Sacramento, Sacramento, California at the Coliseum. Wow. <laughs> so you had heat for a while for that? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of ribbon back and forth in terms of the boys, but they were all good. So you went and started training at Killer Kowalski School. What were your first impressions of Killer Kowalski, Walter? Uh, like everyone else, um, intimidating. You know, here's a yeah. guy, 6'7", 285 pounds, uh, world champion, gruff, rough. He would let you know if something wasn't right and if you weren't doing with what he expected. Um, old school style with where he wanted to see whether you belonged or you didn't belong. Um but outside the ring, Walter was a completely different person from, you know, how people perceive him in, you know, night and day. For me, you know, for the four years that, I, you know, that when I was there with him, it just kind of took off with where I was getting some opportunities with WWF at the time, um, doing some training. 
And basically with what I was seeing from when I was doing some of the dojo stuff is with what they were doing from a training perspective. And I wanted to take that back to Kowalski because it, it wasn't, Walter was getting up in age, and for me, I was looking for structure, and I wanted to be able to take that information, you know, back to the guys that were there to, in the girls and to put them, you know, ultimately in a, in a better place in terms of helping their careers. And just so it caused a lot of heat because guys were used to doing with what they wanted, and who am I to, you know, try to change the training program at Killer Kowalski's. But Walter was appreciative of the fact with what we were trying to do because ultimately, you know, we were creating a difference in terms of what we were producing for students, and that's basically with what it was all about. Because the ultimate goal for most guys is to get to WWF, and if you have information about yeah. how they train and bring that to them, that's something that's going to be useful. It's, but from a business perspective, you it, that's with where the value is is with where you're getting that information, inside information with what they're looking for from a development standpoint, and how they want their guys trained, and with what they're looking for, and then be able to take that back and instill that in the curriculum. That's what makes a difference. So what started happening was. Guys were starting to get looked at going to TV, getting opportunities. Guys were starting to get more work on the independence. And you could tell the difference between the, the Kowalski guys and the guys that were training outside of, the, you know, the school from, you know, with what they were doing in the ring. I mean, they had it together. And so how, how much was Walter still training guys at that point, or was he just more observing and giving feedback? He was observing and giving feedback. Basically, you know, I'll say this, you know, Walter gave me a tremendous opportunity to oversee a school and become a head trainer. Um, you know, huge responsibility, huge honor. So I took that very serious because, you know, I wanted to make it right because it's his name, it's his reputation as well as, as it was mine. And again, having that inside information and having friends that were working within the office and, you know, could pick up the phone and ask those questions directly with what they were looking for, or with what was needed and being able to take that back was, you know, invaluable. I mean, that's a huge piece in terms of it was a leg up for me, but it was also a leg up for the students in terms of, you know, how it was going to help their careers. So how resistant was Walter to you doing this structure and bringing in these different ideas. Was Walter a little put off by that? Yeah, in the beginning he was because, you know, Walter was old school and, and right. it was funny because, you know, I had guests come in from, you know, Rick Martell. I had Pat Patterson come in, you know, Brian Lee came in, uh, you know, among some other guys as well. And one of the things, as all of us know, is that the business will always evolve. But the one thing that won't change is the fundamentals in terms of what allows us to build the house. That will never change, but it will evolve in other areas. So he and I, as I was, you know, talking to Jamie earlier today, it's, you know, we had many private conversations out in the hall in terms of, you know, why we were doing certain things. And it was always in private in terms of being respectful to him. So you ended up being his head trainer for a couple of years. Yeah. But before that, you uh, started your in-ring career. How was your first match? Did you have... Uh a good experience Jeez, the first time you went out? I'm trying to think who the hell was my first match against. <laughs> oh, Crockett, this is so interesting. On, on, on normal Let the Cast Paint, I got Rich Palladino. You, you've done research, haven't you? A little bit. It's like you're asking questions. Mike, he knows the answer yeah. to every question. Like he knew that you dropped Billy Graham. Yeah. And yeah. I bet he knows who your first match was now, too. I don't. You, I, oh, wow. I, you know, it's funny. I, I, don't sure. I don't remember that right now. It's, it's, if you figured I would remember, but I don't. I don't remember who my first match was. Did you catch on pretty quickly in the ring? I mean, you had all that experience watching from behind the scenes at the WWF. I definitely think I had a leg up in terms yeah. of two things. One with what they're looking for. Two, I was able to really have the opportunity to get real valuable information. I mean, you look at it today, right? And this is no knock. 
a lot of guys that might have schools or guys that are giving advice. I was getting advice from Vince's right-hand man in terms of the rights, the do's, the don'ts, and the rights, the wrongs in terms of, you know, with what's the business, you know, with what we're looking for in terms of trying to train guys properly and with what you should be doing in the ring at certain times and maybe with what you shouldn't be doing from, you know, match structure to telling stories to building programs to, you know, all that type of information was with where I could either ask or pick up the phone or have conversations with where, so it really kind of put me in at an at a, at advantage in terms of trying to help guys progress in their careers because I, it was very, it was very valuable information with where it was legit. I was getting hand, you know, firsthand information, which is right. pretty, I was fortunate in that respect. And you mentioned earlier the dojo shows and for people that don't know, yeah. that is before there was such a thing as the developmental system, like OVW, Deep South, you know, now it's NXT. Before all of that, they had just uh, a group of guys that would be at, I guess, uh, like a training facility yeah, at, at the WF in Stanford. Yeah. yeah. And they would train these guys. This is like how Edge and Christian came in, the the Hardys after they were doing, they did their stuff on TV as right. enhancement but, guys. But, but Mike, you, you'd worked some of those dojo yeah, shows, right? Yep. And who, um, who'd you, who, like, who'd you work and how'd that, how'd that come about? So Freddie Spada was running at the time. He was running the, um, not Mike Sparta, not Mike Sparta, okay. Freddie Spada, <laughs> night and day. Uh, Freddie was running shows and you know, he had a, a relationship or a friendship, I should say with, um, Bruce Pritchard and Pat Patterson. So they were running in conjunction in terms of trying to support or help each other. Uh, the, the office was looking for opportunities for guys to work. Freddie was running shows. So it really kind of worked out well. Guys were training in Stamford, Connecticut for the week. And then we run shows on you know Friday, Saturday, and, and sometimes Sunday. And for the guys that were on the show, Kurt Angle, Draws, Edge, Double J, they, you know, they'd bring in stars as well. And, you know, I was fortunate enough with where a lot of those shows I was working with Double J and, you know, just great takeaways in terms of, you know, work with talented guys and just really kind of understand and, and think about with why you're doing certain things to match instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff out there. There was a real rhyme and reason in terms of being able to tell a story and with why we're doing certain things and trying to create that emotional roller coaster with our, you know, with the fans in terms of pulling them in and creating the reaction and instead of today with where it's, you know, spot, 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 and not allowing people to catch their breath in terms of what they're watching. And now on those dojo shows, Mike, you, you did a lot of tag matches, like you said, the Headbangers, some of those guys, yeah, Edge and Christian. Yeah, yeah. Dukes and I um, seek and destroy the Annihilators. They're probably one of the worst <laughs> tag teams in New England history, but the uh, secrets revealed. Secrets revealed. <laughs> Who um, are those guys under those masks? Yeah, unbelievable. But 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 is there any truth to the room? Because I mean, I've been now in in you know New England indie wrestling for close to two decades, and uh, the one story I've always heard is it true that it was actually Duke Dalton that would carry you through all these matches? That pretty much your your entire career. <laughs> well, you owe you owe it all. To Duke's Dalton. Well, let's put it this way. Every time that Dukes and I go to dinner, I'm picking up the tab because of all the times that I he had to carry me. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, I'll go out and wreck it and say it. I mean, he was the better worker. <laughs> so, and, and again, all the stuff you learned, these dojo shows, you're taking back to the yeah. school and yeah. applying it uh, mm -hmm. with the students there for Killer Kowalski. I mean, the likes of, I mean, there was Dory Funk, there was Jim Cornette, there was Pat Patterson, um, Bruce Pritchard. I mean, you're in an environment with where there's just so much knowledge that with where it can be taken away from those guys and just sitting down having conversations and just, you know, understanding and, and just listening in terms of why you should be doing things at certain times. And that's, you know, I, part of me today, I think a lot of that is missing in terms of helping guys get to that next level because no one's actually really teaching that with where that's the art of working. 
And Kurt Angle, for people who don't know, his very first match was on one of these, yeah. one of these dojo shows. Correct. And it's just crazy. It's weird. Like everything is filmed these days. I don't see a lot of footage from all those shows. There's, I mean, right. If someone had right. recorded yeah. that stuff, they'd yeah. probably make some good yeah. cash. Are you, are you placing an offer out there, Michael? That, that, that WPAN. Yes, you Jamie know. will uh, pony up. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're, on, you're on the podcast with a budget now. Welcome to welcome to let the chaos begin. Thank you. On very before much. the Pops Network, where, where we we have a budget. Um, so yeah, well, we can we can purchase those tapes of the old dojo shows <laughs> if, if they exist. Thank you. That'd be great. Um, so Killer Kowalski's you there? You're the, you're the head trainer, and Jamie got into this uh, a couple weeks ago on Let the Chaos Begin about the offer that came in from the chaotic management group to per, is it to purchase well, no 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 okay, okay, okay. Now, now you're messing up the story pardon me, you, you pardon are propagating me, you Take are the propagating the rumors about us <laughs> in chaotic wrestling thanks michael i thought you were one of my friends well, but no you're turning on me just like everybody else as I explained a couple of weeks ago, is, is our original goal uh, for Chaotic Wrestling is we knew in order to be successful, and this came from Ben Lentini, Mike, that we needed to have a school mm-hmm. in order to be successful. And the first school we approached was Kowalski. When you and I first kind of, and Randy Miller was involved, when you and I first kind of reached an agreement to work together, yeah. it was with Walter yeah. and his school. That was when I think you and I first met. I told the story. The first time I think you and I ever really met was at what was the Italian restaurant across the street? Portofino's. <laughs> Portofino's. And it was interesting. And I'll, I'll rewind the tape a little bit for, you know, this was always kind of a hot topic of conversation with where I really became the hail in New England. Um, <laughs> at the time, you know, a little bit before Jamie came into the picture with Randy, I approached Walter. I just had a child and just had built a house. And Walter and I were working on a handshake agreement and right. just, you know, doing business in that respect. So I had said to him, we should probably think about, you know, creating an LLC just to, you know, protect our interests and God forbid if anything ever happened. And so Walter and I kind of went back and forth, for, you know, with that over a period of time. And, uh, you know, we couldn't come to an agreement. But as I had said to him, at some point, Walter, I'm going to have to leave. And I knew in my mind that I wasn't going to stop teaching. And then it just kind of, you know, took off from there. And, you know, from a timing perspective, you know, Chaotic was out there, you know, to the right. And, um I needed a place to go and teach, and everything kind of went from there. And as Jamie, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth again, Jamie, but a, as you mentioned uh, two weeks ago on your podcast, Let the Chaos Begin, you wanted to make a deal with Kowalski. No, no, no. We, we had a deal. Okay, a deal was we, in place. After, after that it. night at Portofino's, we left. Um, Mike called us a few days later said, Walter's on board. I went by. Mike was there. I We dropped off paperwork. Everything was signed. Somewhere in one of my files, I still have the signed contract between Chaotic Wrestling and Walter Kowalski. And then you walked in there. Then I walked in a week later to film a commercial. And Mike was not there that night because everything's done. Right. So it's fine. I'm just going to film a commercial because part of our deal was we were on the the Spanish station. There's WUNI. Yep. Uh, Channel 27, Booster Boston. Yes. And we were going to start airing a commercial for Kowalski's school. And I walk in. And next thing you know, Walter and Teresa was there call me into the office, and he starts lacing into me mm. about how I was a liar, I was a cheat, I lied to him. And I, I think the story I told was he had a poster that somehow had Killer Kowalski's name on it with us. I don't remember the whole story on that. But, yeah, he basically threw me out. He said, get the bleep out of my school, get get your shit, get out. And I, I, I walked with my tail between my legs. Mike, as you remember, now I had to kind of walk back out into the training room to get back down to the staircase. It was Arch Kincaid. Who grabbed me in the uh, on the stairs and he said to me, he's like, uh, "Yeah, Jamie, I don't know what happened, but welcome to Wally's world." 
So I guess that was like a, a usual occurrence there to have Walter kind of. Walter sometimes could be very boisterous. Who do you think put the bug in his ear? Or is this just Walter? Just No, I think it was another promoter. I think it was another promoter as well that got to him and said, you know, don't do business with those guys. Is it a guy we brought up before whose yeah. brothers with the... Could be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. You think so? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So no is doubt. this where you left off on the last podcast? Pretty, pretty much. Then we talked about... Well, no, I, I told the other stories that this is where we kind of started the uh, the chaotic training center. Yeah. You know, you decided to, to part ways. And, and one thing we've never really talked about, Mike, was... What was the reaction when you spoke to Walter that you were splitting off? Uh, he was upset um, and just really didn't understand in terms of why and how come. And basically, I had to reiterate to him in terms of what we had talked about over the last couple of months. And um, we ended up parting ways that evening. And next thing you know, I was getting phone calls at home from Teresa and how, why, how come. And basically, I had to explain to her, again, the reasons why and you know, during that whole time, we had sat down with lawyers to try to put a deal together just to, you know, protect our interest all across the board. So unfortunately, Walter and I ended up parting ways. The CTC ended up, you know, you know coming to fruition and, you know, we ended up going from there. But it was interesting probably for me and, and Jimmy, you might have, you know, we're going to touch upon this. Probably six to eight months after that, I was at home and my doorbell rang and I said, geez, who's here? Yeah. And... Um, I opened the door and there's Walter and Teresa on my front steps. And they said, can I come in? And I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, here's a, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, for with what I have today or, or you know, the, the things that my kids have today is probably because of Walter in terms of things that we were able to do from a business perspective. So I'm very fortunate in that respect. So Walter ended up coming in. You know, he sat down on the couch and, you know, talked a little bit. And he says, uh, you know, I made a mistake. And I said, okay, what was what was the mistake, Walter? He said, I, you know, I should have listened. And, he, and basically that's with what started the partnership for Jamie and I and right. Walter with where he wasn't happy with what he was seeing at his school after I left with where it was a structured environment in terms of the best interest of his, of his students and him. And um, he came back and, you know, of course I was going to take Walter back. I mean, again, he put me in a tremendous position in terms of being able to with what I, you know, could still do today. So he got on board. He came on board with us, and um, the rest was history. And, Mike, you were around during that stretch. Mm-hmm. Crockett, you were around during that stretch. And I, I often say, you know, when people start to get offended at it toward the end of my chaotic run, but I would always say my favorite era of chaotic wrestling was the era we're kind of talking about mm. now. Yeah. was like right after the CTC opened and the, the, that three, four-year stretch. And a big part of that was when Walter came back on board. Because How long was it until Walter came from uh, when you well, opened the CTC? A year or two, Mike? I think it was inside of two years. Yeah, inside. Okay. Inside yeah. of two years because he had two other people running his school. Yeah. That didn't go so well. Then actually it was the building that was – he was losing their lease because it was Richard Burns' old studio. Correct. And then something happened there. Yeah, they ended so, up tearing the whole building down. It's not yes, even there anymore. Right, yeah. right. Like I was actually rise. down there not long ago. And because there's a, like an escape room place for kids there. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And I dropped my daughter off. And I'm like, oh, my. I think I sent you a picture. I texted you and Duke's picture. I'm like, holy crap. I just realized it's condominiums. where it's I am now. But uh, but no, but that's probably my favorite time was when you were there. I was there. Randy was gone. But, <laughs> but you know, that's what we start to have. Crockett, yeah. Malonis, Handsome, Tommaso, yeah. Max. And then when Walter came back on board, in preparation, I thought I was recording with Rich, and I actually sent a little text to a bunch of people saying, hey, what do you remember from this time frame? And it was Max, Tommaso, Handsome, Malonis. Todd Sinclair was another one who was always there. Right. And after they got done 
crapping on me again um, and all the <laughs> terrible things I did to them. Of course. Uh, everybody would start bringing up the Saturday classes with Walter because mm-hmm. Walter would still show up every Saturday yeah. for class. Oh, yeah. And just uh, sitting in the against the wall there and just yelling, fake, bullshit. Yeah. I want my dime back. And, yeah, he just tell stories all the time. Yeah. And but then, he, then he'd go to the uh, China Blossom. Right, to the China Blossom. <laughs> for the China Blossom and Kitties were his two big places yeah. to go to eat. Yeah. But, but, Mike, you know, as we're talking about Walter, even in kind of his waning days at the CTC, mm-hmm. fair to say Walter was a worker until yeah. the day he died. Yes. In that... Not only the knowledge, but he would work you just as soon as he would look at you. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, t- talk about his whole persona. Um, I mean, here's a guy that's, as you all you know, 20-year champion, larger than life, love to rib, have fun, make fun, just, you know, again, good spirit. And, I mean, I could go on in terms of, you know, with Walter stories. I mean, I remember one time we were at the old school, just kind of rewind the tape a little bit, kind of Walter personality. We were having a show coming up on a Saturday night. Walter and I were sitting down on the chair. We were talking about something, and one of his students comes up, and um, he was going to work on Saturday night. But unfortunately, Walter had to change the card. So he says to the student, unfortunately, I'm going to have to take you off the card. The student now decides to get into a tirade with Walter in terms of how we can't take him off the card. And his parents are coming, and it's his birthday and the whole nine (laughs) yards. So Walter basically said to him, if you don't get out of my face at this particular time, I'm going to push you down the effing stairs. <laughs> I don't need you on my card. It's my show. I'll do what I want. So, and so he, I take it this man uh, turned tail like Jamie Jamikowski and turned tail. Out. <laughs> I got thrown out. My, my favorite Kowalski story, I, I have a few of them. I was fortunate that once I got to know Walter, yeah. He was great. He was. And, you know, <clears throat> w- when my daughter was born, he gave her little gifts. He gave her a, a book and a stuffed animal. It was called Walter the Farting Dog. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a, a book and a little dog that, that farted. Right? Yep. He loved and, to write poems. And he and Teresa, once you got to know them, would do anything for you. They, they were the nicest people. Yeah. One of my favorite stories, Mike, is do you remember when you, Walter, and I went to a house show at the Aganis Arena? WWE was having a house show. And the we Uke. brought him to say hi to Hunter. Yeah. And Steph. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And to this day, for people who aren't backstage, tell people what happens when a legend like Walter Kowalski walks through the building, what everybody does. In simple terms, everything stops. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right? Here's a guy. I remember I was an earshot away from Arne Anderson. And Chris Masters at the time was working for, you know, WWE. And, our, and Anderson said, before you go anywhere, you see that guy over there? Go introduce yourself and say thank you for what you've done in the business. So just a huge amount of respect in terms of guys would just basically stop in their tracks and go to make conversations with Walter. It's like a receiving line. Receiving <laughs> line. He just had that with where people just, you know, wanted to, you know, pay their thanks to him in terms of what he did over his career. I mean, if you think about a pioneer – um, you know, the other thing, and we talk about students and Walter and hardships in terms of training, you know, Walter had told me many times and told many of the students for the first four years that he was actually in the business, the old timers used to really beat the crap out of him to try to break him. I mean, here's a guy, 6'8", 275 pounds, and basically what's going to happen is Walter's going to take their spot. So they were trying to drive him out of the business. Finally, Walter, you know, ended up, you know, hooking up with uh, Lou Thez, who took him under his wing, and one thing led to another, and now Walter started to develop a reputation 
reputation with where you didn't screw with them, not right. only here in the States, but also in Japan. And, you know, they wanted to break him. But, you know, as he said to me, he said, I wasn't going to stop for anything. And he says, you know, I believe in myself and, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, stop until I can't go anymore. And I'm so glad Mike has the exact same memory of that, of that day with me. But my favorite part of that day. I remember we're coming to the hallway. Shawn Michaels was there, mm. stops dead, runs over, shakes Walter's hands. Thank you. Then we go and we sit in catering. And it's like you said, Crockett, it was like a receiving line where superstars are coming in kind of one by one just to say hello to Walter, greet him. Oh, heard you were here. Thank you so much. They'd leave. Well, all of a sudden now, Ric Flair and wife number 17, whatever it was, <laughs> come in and they sit with us. And Flair starts talking story with Walter. And he's like, oh, remember this time down in Puerto Rico, Walter? And, you know, Flair, he's an animated guy. And he talks to us for a good 15 minutes, you know. My coach and I were just kind of sitting there on our hands because we're not really part of this. Flair, he's like, Walter, so much. I, I got to get back to work. I'll see you later. He walks out. I know where this is going. There's a pause. Walter looks up and goes, Mike, who the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Knew exactly where it was going. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if Walter didn't know where he was. He was working. Yeah, Mike I, and I, I, I didn't know where Flair yeah. was. He was just some guy talking story. <laughs> but oh. no, you're spot on. Spot on. I mean, oh. I could go on. <laughs> Mike, I remember the other time we were backstage at a, at a taping, and I, I don't know if you were there. It was one of those days where we'd get there early, we'd yeah. sit in our suits till two in the morning, yeah. till two in the, from two in the afternoon. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and I will never forget, I'm sitting, uh, there's a big monitor. It's Teresa's on the end, Walter. Somehow I'm sitting next to Walter because Teresa liked me at that point. She saves me a seat. <laughs> You're standing three rows back while the seats were in front of the monitor. You're standing next to Patterson. Mm-hmm. And they had just shot a promo, and I will never forget, it was with Edge and Lita. Okay, And this was back when Stephanie was producing most of that, that backstage stuff. And all of a sudden, the promo airs on the monitor. So it's live on national, international TV. And I'm next to Kowalski. You're next to Patterson in the back. And all of a sudden, I hear Pat go, Walter, what would you think of that? And all of a sudden, <laughs> Walter, on top of his lungs, what the Christ is that bullshit? Why the are they? I'm just, I couldn't crawl into a smaller ball, and I'm looking over at you, and you're like, "Oh my God, we're dead!" I mean, just just a look at Mike's face was just sheer. All right, it's over. It's there, goes, good run. there goes our developmental yeah. deal, right yeah. there. Then that was, that was us with Walter. Oh uh, yeah, live just backstage at Monday Night Raw, burying what's to, on the product. To Jamie's point, even Vince, right, as busy as busy as yeah. he is at TV, would make the time to go find Walter and spend five, 10 minutes with him and just talk with him. And TV is just, it's crazy. It's yeah. busy. So, you know, he just garnered that respect for all the things that he made know, so much money for his dad, Vince senior. There you go. That's actually how I met Vince. I met Vince cause I was there with Walter and Vince came over to meet Walter and Walter introduced me to Vince. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Pat Patterson and you have a, a good relationship with Pat. And yeah. in fact, you talked about Jamie, how, <laughs> Uh, really early on in the CTC, Pat came. He was in, the first camp in, we ever did. And did a camp. Yeah. So what's your relationship like with, with Pat that you can get him to come to the CTC like that? It's it's just like uh, nuts. He doesn't do that for just No, just, you know, it's funny. We've been friends for 25 years, and uh, I was able to catch up with him um, a couple weeks ago in Manchester. And, you know, he was friends with Freddie, and uh, Pat had a good friend by the name of Louis Dendero, and he and I had really hit it off well. And uh, it was just a, you know, a friendship that just kind of evolved over a period of time and, you know, still friends today. And 
I just said, you know, look, I need guys to, would you be willing to come to the school and take a look and see with what we're doing? These are some of our aspirations. These are some of the students that we have and take a look, you know, is there any potential here? And, you know, he was kind enough um, to do that a couple of times. And then he, there was a time, Jamie, with, where they were putting together the pay-per-view between Rock and Goldberg. He'd called oh, me on the, he called me on the phone and said, um, I'm going to have Rock and Goldberg at the CTC and uh, we're going to put together the pay-per-view match coming up in Worcester. So that was interesting. And, um, you know, again, it's just one of those things with where I, again, I was fortunate to be able to, you know, pick a guy like his brain and kind of really understand the ins and outs and um, really trying to, you know, create an advantage for me in terms of the things that were important. And you mentioned in jest, you know, the, you know, there goes the developmental deal, but that's something that you guys worked hard for. Yeah. Sure did. I mean, and, and having a guy like Pat in your corner, I mean, you think you'd get it done, but it, it still didn't happen. What, what happened? How close did you get, do you guys think? Um, I never got official word of why we didn't get one, but rumor had it, it had something to do with the fact that um, I guess one of the partners dropped superstar Billy Graham uh, 15, <laughs> 10, 15 years earlier, and I heard that was the reason why, I still, I still we, had never, heat. why we never got a developmental <laughs> contract. No, I right before you got here, Crockett, Mike and I were actually talking, mm. and I think we both agree. I think it was timing. Yeah. I think if we had started the CTC five years ago from today, mm-hmm. I think we would be the developmental. We would have been the one. Mm-hmm. I think we were just – our timing was wrong. And people can – Mike, people can bury us even more. What the hell do we care at this point? I'm still convinced mm-hmm. that there are aspects of NXT in the Performance Center. Yeah. To, to Jamie's point, I remember there was one point with where we had uh, Stephanie and Hunter came to the school. Yeah. Again, that's not those. They're not showing up at any other school. They're coming to the CTC to kind of see with what we're all about and with what we're doing. And if you think about it, the CTC, if you look at it, is a miniature version of NXT or the Performance Center in Orlando. So again, you know, Jamie and I were really trying to foster that relationship. I think, you know, the guys that we were sending to TV, they were happy with what they were seeing there from a training perspective. Guys were getting signed. Girls were getting signed. Um, Guys were being trained properly. They were doing business outside the ring properly as well. It was, you know, to Jamie's point, it was just maybe a timing perspective with where it just didn't wasn't in the cards, unfortunately. Yeah. But how many guys, Jamie, do you think, uh, do you know the number? How many you guys got signed? Again, I, I think it was I think it was over 12. Yeah, because I also consider I also consider guys like Mike Crew and Fred Sampson on that list. Yeah, because they were involved with us at the time, and that was also because of the relationship with uh, Jim Kettner done ECWA. Right. Um, but no, I think it was I think it was twelve plus. But again, but then how do you count? Am I allowed to count Tommaso and Handsome now? Because I still consider them a huge part of the CTC legacy. Yep. That it just took them a little while to get yep. signed. Mm-hmm. So you know. So it, the numbers are up there, Crockett. We were good. We were damn good, Mike. I don't care what these idiots say about about Mike and I. Yeah, you know hey. I, the, the 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 numbers speak for themselves. And you know, there's a great story out there that where there's a current superstar who's gone out there and and they complain that they wanted to go to TV once and they came to me and and Mike. I, I think this was during. I think it was maybe after your daughter was born. So you might have been on a sabbatical or, mm-hmm. or. But I remember one of the big knocks was on both of us that oh well we would want to go work other places or we want to get booked for TV and they would tell us we weren't ready yet. Well, there's a reason. Yeah. I mean, think about it is that one, we have a good relationship in terms of that we've been able to build with WWE and it's something that we don't want to lose and credibility in this business is one thing that you fight for and first impressions and sometimes you don't get that second chance again. So sometimes those conversations are tough with talent with where you got to say to a guy or a girl, you know, it's, it's, it's not right now, but doesn't mean it's not three months or six months down the road. It's just not in the cards. Would it be good for you from a business perspective? It wouldn't be good for us. 
And, you know, as I think about it today is today's athletes or today's students or when I was actually um, teaching is you got to be coachable. You know, you've got to be coachable with where you're willing to take constructive criticism and take that information and, you know, and utilize it to grow your career. And if you're unwilling to do that, and if you wanted to blame, and Jamie and I got blamed for a lot of things with where we held guys back. And, you know, like you just said, there's 12 people that ended up getting signed to contracts, with their, you know, to WWE. But I'll go one step further. The one thing I realized about with the school and the promotion, I knew that everyone wasn't going to get a deal. But the one thing that we were able to accomplish is that we created better people that were able to go outside the school and carry, you know, carry themselves in a manner with where uh, they were respectful and they had their stuff together and, you know, they were contributing to society. You know, I've got letters at home or just, you know, comments from parents that, you know, they really appreciated in terms of what the school did in terms of teaching respect, accountability, you know, all the things that are important in everyday life. So it was more than just a wrestling school. It was about, you know, life aspects as well in terms of, just not the athletes, it's how do we create better people as well. So that's probably one of the things that I was most proud of in terms of the CTC. But, Michael, I'm going to throw a question to you now, Michael, because you've been asking all the questions. Sure. But I don't want to make everybody think that it was all peaches and cream. <laughs> you were there for some of the battles between – we had to ride that line where we had the promotion in the school. Yeah. And sometimes the promotion, we didn't always practice what we preached. Right. I mean – pay-per-view would end up being quite a quite yeah. a quite a scene because yeah guys would do things on the shows that weren't uh, necessarily stuff that was taught in the CTC yep. so it, it yeah it would be a little messy no, diff- you know difficult conversations in terms of you know with what we were trying to teach and again finding that balance and just a, a funny side story we talk about one of our former students, Biff Busick. The week that I got to spend at the Performance Center, Biff and I and Terry Taylor got to sit down and do our match critique, similar to with what we did at CTC after yeah. the shows. And uh, it was really interesting to be able to sit there with Terry and kind of watch him ask Biff certain questions during the certain points of his match, why he was doing certain things, just to really try to engage him in terms of, you know, was he actually getting the mileage and the reactions from the people that, you know, that he was trying to tell his story to. And uh, it was a good learning experience for me in terms of how Terry looked at it, but also a good experience for Biff, but also really reiterated in terms of with what we were looking for, with what we were trying to accomplish is the same thing that the office was looking for as well. So some validation. There. Yeah, some validation. And it was funny because Jamie and I were talking earlier. I remember the first day I went to the Performance Center, I walk in, I'm just going to be working with Robbie Brookside for the first couple of days. And it was reminiscent of days back at CTC and I'm saying, geez, these guys are doing the same things that we used to do back here in North Andover. That's kind of interesting. And here we were being ridiculed for, well, they're this, they're this, they're this, and this. But the Performance Center in Orlando was doing the same thing we were. So for me, it was validation kind of with where Look, and if you're going to build a house, you need a foundation. And if you're going to grow in your career, whether you're a wrestler or a pro baseball player or a football player, you got to have basic you know, fundamentals with where you can survive and put all the pieces of the puzzle together to be successful. And the, down at the Performance Center now, two guys that uh, that you mentioned earlier, uh, Jamie Hanson, Hanson, the former handsome Johnny in Chaotic Wrestling. And He's always handsome to me, Michael. <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa, a.k.a. Tommy Penmanship. They were two guys that were yeah. started under mm-hmm. under Mike Hollow. And what does it mean uh, to see those two guys who had such a long journey? Yeah. I mean, you're out of the game, essentially, yeah. uh, and still, they're, they're still fighting, they're still clawing, and finally, yeah. they got their WWE contracts right. years later. Jamie can 
touch upon this as well. Dr. Tom used to say when he used to come in and do cams for us, everybody's story in terms of how they get to WWE is a different story. You know, Tommaso got signed. Um, and then unfortunately he got released. Basically they said to him, you know, you've got to go find your way. And again, it's, you know, here it is. You've got a guy that could have either went left or went right with where he could have probably blamed Jamie and I for, you know, he got fired, right? But he took it upon himself to change his body, change his look, change his work rate. And he went out and found himself and opportunities were created with where he ended up getting re-signed. Now he's looked at as a, as a locker room leader. Same thing with Handsome, right? Who'd ever thought? Yeah. Um, and again, you know, he found his way and the office gave him an opportunity and now he's got the, you know, the largest platform to perform on. And I think for me on a, on a personal note is with where, you know, you'll get a text message from them saying, thank you for the foundation that you were able to put forth. Cause if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today. So those things are greatly appreciated. Must be personally gratifying. Yeah. You know, you lay in a bed next thing, you know, you get a text message and you look over to your phone. It's, you know, whether it be Tommaso or Handsome or whoever it may be and say, you know, thank you. So it says a lot about them with where they didn't forget about with where they came from. So the Chaotic Training Center uh, went on and then you sold it, right? Yeah, then then I, <laughs> again, it's all timing. Mike and I both had changed in our lives. Yeah. Mike, Mike kind of left first and then I was able to continue it for a while with uh, uh, Handsome Johnny uh, Malonis, your, your counterpart, and Brian Fury. As our trainers, and then time came that I, the one thing I always said was, I can run a business I could never get in a ring and train. And it was just getting to the point where um, it was time for me to move on from the school. And then that then it became the uh, NEPWA, the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. But um, yeah, so it, it's continuing the legacy. You know, Dijak is, is really the first product from there. You've got Flip, who seems like he's probably going to be the next yeah. big name to come out of Brian Fury mm -hmm. school. But I, I just think it's all amazing. I, I'll bring it full circle is that it all just has to tie back into, you know, killer Kowalski's yeah. if it weren't for Walter and his school. Yeah. And Michael, you mentioned that we pure coincidence <clears throat> were recording this tonight on the 10th anniversary of, of his passing. And I, we were all there. We, mm -hmm. we were all at the funeral. And I can tell you, you know, if, if I talk about, you know, Mike talked about legacies and things. Um, the fact that I was a pallbearer mm. for killer Kowalski of, of all the mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of people he he met and he affected over the course of his life mm -hmm. that Mike, you and I were, were two of the six yeah. who who were able to to you know carry him to his final resting place. That that it's it was sad, mm -hmm. but it, it's surreal and probably the the biggest honor yeah. that, that I got as part of the wrestling industry. Yeah. And for me, you know, like I've said, for the you know, the opportunity to be able to carry on his name and teach at a school, which was a huge privilege. You know, and you know, think about it. One of the things that's missing today with where so many people just think it's their right to be in the business, you know, Walter and I always were of the mindset it's a privilege and to be respectful of the business. So that piece was important to us. And um, again, just the opportunity with where, you know, that he allowed me to do with what, you know, I was able to do. And if you think about it, if he didn't give me that opportunity, there might have not have been the CTC. There might have not have been, you know, the, the students that have been able to evolve and go on to their careers. So... Walter played a huge impact in terms of creating so many opportunities for so many people in terms of what he meant to the business. So, you know, 10 years, it seems like yesterday, but, you know, he still resonates today. So you laced up the boots again to go down to uh, Orlando yeah. for a week. Any other itch to do anything else? One more match. <laughs> no, one more match. <laughs> you know, one more match. So, so I was actually thinking about this today, and um, we haven't touched upon this. I don't know how it came about, but um, 
Jamie had mentioned to me something about training again, and I'm saying, eh. And then at the time, my girlfriend and I and Jamie, we sat down and we, you know, we talked about hollow stables with where I was going to be teaching or I wanted to get back and teach, but more on a private group and, you know, one-on-one, you know, settings. And, you know, I did that for a while, did it for about a year, two years. And it just kind of, you know, just busy with work and so forth. And probably the disappointing thing is with where people aren't wanting to invest in their careers and just... So that was I kind of just put that off to the side, and so I haven't been teaching, and no desire to get back in the ring. To be honest but, with you, but, yeah. but Mike, if let's just say you had two motivated people <laughs> yeah. who were going to promote it on a pot, if we could rent a ring in a building, I don't know, I'm actually under non compete, so I might have to promote under a hood. But, but if we could get the annihilators back to, yeah. to, to main event, just one match. I don't know if the chaotic crew today would actually book uh, Dukes and I. Maybe, no, I, maybe maybe Dukes, but they oh no, you can't get booked in chaotic. You, you yeah. have to train first. You have to sign up at the school and all that. But I'm just saying, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could get, you know, maybe we could could get Handsome Johnny and and Thomas Penmanship on loan. Uh, from, I'm sure from, from the Federation yeah, to, to yeah. work the Annihilators for a night. <laughs> I'm sure that they'd sign but up. Pay, a like make a note. I, I'm going to make a call tomorrow. Let's see if we can get this get this signed. Payback <laughs> would be brutal. <laughs> so, uh, Jamie, is there anything else that you want to say here? No, I'm good. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I, I think it's great that we got to have Mike here. I hope we can have Mike back on one of our podcasts or both, or maybe we can yeah. we can make this a, a regular thing, kind of a, a podcast uh, get togetherness. I mean, I was really looking forward to seeing Malonis tonight because I haven't seen the booboo face in a long time. <laughs> oh, oh boy! Geez. Oh boy! So I mean, <laughs> ed, ed, put a marker for edit, editing there. Yeah, yeah. forty-seven uh, minutes. Um, <laughs> just no, all fun. No, all good. I mean, I'm glad I was able to come and talk about Walter, you know, and some of the the, the funny stories that we, you know, that he and I had over the course of our, you know, time together. So it was good. Thanks very much, uh, Thank Mike, you. for coming Thanks, on Coach. tonight. Thank you, guys. We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with Coach Mike Hollow about Killer Kowalski, about the CTC, about wrestling training. Use the hashtag WPAN so we can respond to you. Or you can call the voicemail line. We want to hear from you. Get your voicemails in. We will play them on this podcast. The number 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. How about Booking the Territory? Go check out Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, Doc Turner. Twice a week, they do the podcast on Sundays and Thursdays. MikeMills.Podbean.com, a great look at Southern old school wrestling and the Northern version of Booking the Territory is our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast with Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. They romp you through the world of retro wrestling each and every Monday. So check out our vantage point after you listen to the WPAN and go to OVP podcast podcast.com for more plus greetings from allentown the sister podcast of our vantage point or the little brother if you really want to get down to it pw peter winston is the host of that show and they talk about a single episode of rest i don't know why i say they because he's one man he talks about a single episode of wrestling television each and every week so check out greetings from allentown gf allentown with peter winston each and every thursday and finally the rundown wrestling podcast with jason stewart adam Sauls, or all the rest over there on that feed stuff going on all week long make sure you subscribe and enjoy all of those podcasts they are good friends of mine good friends of the kingpins so make sure you support them and thank you very much all right it is time for this week's promo about nothing but before we get into that 
Are you hitting the highways and byways, Jamie? Are you crisscrossing this great nation of ours? Are you plying your trade as a professional wrestler? No, Michael, I have nothing anymore. I, I just returned from a my own extended uh, hiatus. I'm, I'm back on the East Coast, and I'm here recording For the Pops. Let the chaos begin, which you can find at ForThePops.com or look for For the Pops podcast on iTunes, or you can always find us on the NAI Pop Network. But no, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Nice. Nice plug. I like that. So let's get right to the promo about nothing, Ben, Jamie. The year 2000. Y2K. 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 And we are going back for the second week in a row to World Championship Wrestling, WCW. And Jamie, you ever have one of those days? Many of them. I think me and Gene Oakland was having oh, one of boy. these days as he interviewed the group known as the Natural Born Thrillers. Let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. You've been pretty good at running your mouth soft so far, but tonight you're going to have to back it up with action. Yo, 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 Gene, let me speak on this, all you cranberries and strawberries. You like my shirt, Gene? You want to touch it? That's enough. Hey, real good impression there, you prick. What about the rest of you piss ants? Anybody else want to do impressions? Hey, old man, why don't you shut up? What do you call him? Hey, blow it out your ass, O'Hare. <laughs> I got guys that can take out your kneecaps. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch that. Hey, I, I, got, I got suspended for leading the beatdown of a bitter, pitiful old man. We need you tonight. Listen here, cameraman. I want you to pull it in real tight. You're looking at the group of the most genetically jacked superstars in WCW. We've worked long, we've worked hard, busting our ass. Now we're going to start kicking yours. Filthy animals, you're going up against the future. What you got? Two midgets, a bald guy, a cheese whiz sucking trailer trash. Hoochie? Hoochie. I'm a gambling man by nature, and odds aren't looking good. So, Jimmy, your first question when we started the yeah. promo about nothing? Yeah, who's the guy in the white shirt? Who's the guy talking? Well, <laughs> he is a man, his name was Mike Sanders. And he had a very uh, accurate nickname. Oh, I literally have no memory of this guy. He wasn't fantastic. He wasn't amazing. Who was Mike he? Sanders was above average. Above average that was Mike Sanders? Yes. Wow. I swear I'd never seen him before. He actually was under a WWF deal after the uh, buyout. Really? Never made it on TV, but good lord, that that promo was tremendous, though. Thank you so much for <laughs> for having that one during my my guest hosting week. Because yeah, well, not so much for the the promo, but for the guy doing the interview. I, mean Gene, I love angry Mean Gene. I don't know why somebody <laughs> didn't run with that sooner. But but like, what year did you say that was from? Two thousand. So this is right near the the end. Yeah. So so uh, one of my favorite eras in wrestling. Is like that WCW going off the rails era, yep. like right before they got bought out, when you could tell nobody cared anymore. Yeah, and this was the, and Mean Gene. I loved Angry Mean Gene, who didn't give a crap anymore. That was amazing. And not only did Mean Gene not give a crap, the fact that he was the one who got over in this promo that, that was amazing. <laughs> the announcer, you got like six or seven guys surrounding Mean Gene. The guy who gets over in the promo, the sixty-year-old announcer. How long have you waited for me, Gene? Well, well, you prick. That made my night. That made my weekend. Thank you. Oh, my God. That was tremendous. So uh, a lot of guys in that promo. Uh, you have Mike Sanders, of course, yeah. uh, Sean O'Hare, Chuck Palumbo, who eventually both made the WWE roster. You got your Johnny the Bull. Uh, I think we got and see Ernest the Cat Miller there, who was just on a show with Brian Malonis last really? week. Really? 
Ernest the Cat Miller came out of hiding. Yes. Wow. He didn't wrestle, but uh, he, he was, was he was made there. an appearance. Really? Yeah. That must have been kind of just thought it like yeah, that's a guy random. Would, yeah, very oh, random. Random. And I think that's uh, Sean Stasiak, who just yep. followed uh, the wrestling podcast about nothing on Twitter, by the way. Oh, hi, Sean. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he is. So, yeah, just a, a ton of guys. And the only one who got over, the little bald oh guy with the God. mustache. That, that, that was not what I was expecting. No. You know, I've seen some of the other Mean Gene ones. Like, what's the famous one with the SummerSlam sign? Fuck it. Fuck it. Fall, <laughs> you know, that one falls. I've, I've seen some of the other ones. I've never seen or heard that one. That one, that one made my night. That was amazing. So yeah. Oh, that one made that makes me so happy. You have no idea how, how happy that made me. And and what above average who? Mike Sanders? Yes. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. He ended up in Heartland Wrestling Association with Les Thatcher after he was signed to a, a developmental WWF deal and never got called up. You know, you and I still have some stroke. We have some connections in chaotic wrestling. Why don't we uh why don't we reach out to ownership and see if we can get a match booked over there above average Mike Sanders against the Kingpin Brian Malonis? <laughs> I think we could make this happen. I mean, Brian, Brian, what do you think of this idea? I, I think he's on board. I, I think so too. You know, he didn't, he didn't say he doesn't he like it. So no. I think, I think we should talk to the new owners of chaotic wrestling and get this booked. This is money. I think so. Let's work on that. All right. You've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. Jamie, we're about to wrap up here on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Really appreciate you stepping in for the uh, no show, Brian Malonis. Thank you. And again, thanks for having me. I, I'm always thrilled to be a guest host on the WPA. And as you said, one of my favorite podcasts. And I hopefully all your listeners will jump over and give For the Pops and Let the Chaos Begin a listen over on the NAI Pop Network or look for For the Pops anywhere online, social media, website, or in iTunes. And for the Pops, my win streak was broken under nefarious circumstances. Uh, I, I wasn't ready. Um, I was on Skype, so there was a delay. Yeah. So uh, the, there's, there's, every week on For the Pops, you, that comes out every two weeks. But every time yeah. you do the For the Pops podcast, you do a For the Pops pop, pop quiz. quiz. Yeah, and we, we do a pop culture quiz where we we cover movies, television, music, and uh, it's all it's it, usually it's Scotty Slade competing against our guests. And Mike, you've competed. You had a great run going. But we've had a lot of controversy on the For the Pops yes. pop quiz lately. Um, you know, because I was traveling, we had to do a lot of episodes on Skype, and there are now accusations of people cheating, that they have web browsers open. But the good news is I'm back. We're doing all the For the Pops pop quizzes live, uh, so I can actually see the answers and make sure that there's no nefarious circumstances or cheating. So we'll have to have you back uh, so you can regain your title yeah. on, on the For the Pops. Have you been brushing up on all your on all your pop culture? Of course. That's all I do all day long. Have you, though? Not really. Uh, because Disney just announced uh -oh. that their live action remake of what movie will not be a musical, angering a lot of fans. Ooh, what uh, you you talked about this, didn't you? No, we didn't. Oh, you didn't. no, we talked about uh, who was going to be Ariel in the new live action. But they're doing another uh, remake of a of a famous Disney movie, a live action remake, and they just sound, it's actually not going to be a musical, and a lot of fans are not happy about it. Huh. Is it the, uh, uh, well, not Stop Beauty and the Beast. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Mulan. Mulan, they announced they're doing a live action remake of Mulan, and uh, it, it's not going to be a musical, and that has a lot of the uh, the fans angry. So it's uh, stuff just like this that we do on For the Pops. 
pop quiz. Amazing that I had a For the Pops pop quiz question. Wow. Ready to go for you Just tonight, Just off the top of your head. Just off the top of my head. Amazing. You're really getting the swing of things. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pretty good on that podcast, um, but but not nearly as good as you and, and the Kingpin are on this one. Well, we'll see. With editing, it, it does wonders. Uh, so we'll be back here next Monday. You won't be here, Jamie. Hopefully, the Kingpin will be back for episode 125 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, here's Jamie Jamikowski from For the Pops from Let the Chaos Begin. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast. You scared me. We're not that energetic on the NAI Pop Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> what I do? <laughs> All right, well, I won't. I won't pay attention. Sorry. Welcome. <laughs> I didn't do anything that time. Nothing that time.